Hey everyone, welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick and with me is... Sean Murphy, your co-host. And we are talking about two episodes today. As always, we're talking about Birds of a Feather and What is Reality. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll jump right into it. Yeah. Birds of a Feather, story by Chuck Mel- Chuck Menville, teleplay by Bryn Stevens, directed by Frank Power. And in this one, Veronica Vreeland is looking for a way to create a splash with her next party and arrives at the idea of having a former criminal in attendance, especially if there is one whose manners would create a stir. The Penguin, who has recently reformed, fits the bill perfectly. In the process of convincing the Penguin to come to her party, Veronica finds she likes the corpulent little guy. For his part... The Penguin begins to fall in love with her until he overhears that he is merely being used. So, interesting thing about this, because this breakdown that I just read Mm -hmm. is technically correct, Mm -hmm. except it's ignoring the thing that I think makes this episode really interesting and makes it really work, Mm -hmm. because it's treating all of the actions in this as though they are sincere, when none of them are sincere. And I think that's what makes it really interesting, is that the, the Penguin... Never, his his reformation isn't because he 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 is realizing the error of his ways and is is mm-hmm. is uh, apologizing to people and stuff. He's just sick of being arrested, mm-hmm. so he decides to go to stop being a criminal. But he still wants all the praise from other criminals, and he still wants all the praise from high society. And when he's brought back in, all he does is just shit talk people. Yeah. And it's uh, it, it's it's actually a really kind of interesting little story. Yeah, yeah. I, I always like this episode a lot. And it's not one that I would have thought in the writer's room that it would have been good, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I think overall this is a standout Penguin episode, probably uh, the best Penguin episode, I think, of the series, um, minus the almost got him vignette. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, you know, as, as I was watching it, I thought um, – What's more delusional of the penguin, thinking that he's a penguin and going down the road of being a super criminal or thinking that he's high high society and having it in his head that he's different than the other criminals because he keeps it classy. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, it, it, it this episode kind of follows a little bit the trajectory of the penguin from Batman Returns mm-hmm. where he's kind of angling for both uh, where he's angling for society, where he's trying to be mayor, and then once he's rejected there is when, I mean, I guess technically he's always planning on murdering all the children in Gotham. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, he's kind of playing it straight to a point and, until that falls apart, and then he falls back into being the murderous penguin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting uh, kind of um, look at his character uh, because, yeah, he, he he's being delusional in, in in both ways really it's his the the fact that his reformation is just him deciding not to do any further crime yeah and not actually realize that you know that he has harmed harmed people in the past is is a is a uh it stops it from being a really heartbreaking episode i think mm-hmm. because if you had played this more straight mm-hmm. and had penguin 
completely turn over a new leaf. Yeah. And then have Veronica Vreeland actually start to fall in love with him. Yeah. And then to pull all that stuff away and turn him back into the Penguin is, you're, like, really dark. Yeah, you're right. That's one thing I was thinking watching this, because I, I love this episode, but if I had to yeah. make it better, I think I would uh, lean into uh, Penguin's reformed. He sincerely wants to stop. Um he gets a second chance with a phone call from the high class. He, he doesn't want to screw it up. He really likes this girl, Veronica. He really is a gentleman. I mean, he really is a good date, other than him being kind of, his manners are kind of sloppy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he gets to defend, you know, they get mugged and he steps up and kicks some ass with just an umbrella. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if you went that way and then in the end he legit had his heart broken, I mean, that would be heart of ice level good, I think. You know, I don't know. I I don't know if I would go that way because I I actually really like the fact that he that it's so disingenuous because I think I don't know having him try to turn over a, a new leaf and then eventually not be able to mm-hmm. because of uh, the external pressures of of trying to fit back into society and from Batman not trusting him, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, is just so bleak. You know, it's like there's right. no. Well, I'm saying do do that, but make him his uh, reform more sincere. Like play. Up well, that's what I mean. That's what makes it so bleak is because he's actually trying to reform, but it's basically right. the system won't let him do that, so he has to revert back right. to a life of crime. But I guess I don't know. That's that's too it, that's too bleak for me. I think. Well, the, the, well Batman's all about bleak. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the fact that he flips a switch so easily, like he overhears a conversation. And he immediately gasses the both of them. So he had mm-hmm. a, a umbrella that had gas in it. So he was obviously mm-hmm. not reformed completely. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think that he, in a way, was trying to um, reform. But he also had one foot in, one foot out. Like, he was sort of ready for it not to work out. And that's why he had his gas umbrella with him. You know what I mean? And I feel yeah. like if he got betra- make the betrayal even harsher and make his, his reaction even more devastating, um, I would just turn it up to 11 a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't know. I don't. I think I, we'd have to agree to disagree on that one because <laughs> I, I just, I think I like the, I, I, I'm really interested in the idea that he wants, he wants all the benefit of reforming the perceived benefit without actually putting the work in, mm-hmm. and uh, essentially when that falls away, um, you know, because because he can still have the same character arc that you're talking about, except that he's not actually correct about the reasons it's more of a because uh, he says that he says at the end of the episode he's like up oh, i guess it's true what they say mm-hmm. it's society's fault or high society's fault right, right. and that's very much a an excuse from someone who didn't put the work in to try and to try and do better you know it's just he's blaming somebody else when he didn't actually go out of his way to try and mm-hmm. actually reform or actually x y and z yeah um and i i like I kind of like that element of it where he's such a dickhead and such thinks so highly of himself mm-hmm. that uh, he just assumed that he would just be able to. It's like on The Office when Michael Scott uh, runs out of money and, and they're like, well, you can declare bankruptcy. So he just walks out and goes, <laughs> I declare bankruptcy right. and think that's all you need to do. Mm. Um, I like I like the character element of him thinking that all you need to do to reform is just to say you have reformed and try to more or less not be not do any more crime. Right. Um 
and not actually try to, uh, uh, yeah. to to turn things around. I agree with all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, at the end when he says that all he wanted from Veronica was a little bit of friendship, I thought, well, you know, you were you were sort of buying her jewelry, holding her hand, trying to kiss her. That's not really friendship, but right. I, I yeah. Kind of. Yeah. See his he point. mean, <laughs> she's she's using him without him knowing, but he's also using her. You know, yeah. I, I I think you could probably extrapolate it out and say, oh, maybe he is right. Kind of falling in love with her, but I think part of that is probably. Him thinking if if I have a, a high society girlfriend, mm-hmm. then that'll make it easier for me to slip back into the right. high society role. But what makes Veronica more of the villain, and I don't think she's a villain. I, I really like her character, and I can go into mm-hmm. that uh, after. But what makes her more of the villain here is she's aware of the situation completely. He is right. not not aware of the situation until he figures it out, obviously. Right, right. Yeah, it's not. I mean, that's the that's the the fun thing about this is he's not really the villain in the episode. Right. Um, and what's what else is fun is that this is another episode that's sort of Batman observing things mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to being um, directly involved because he's just sort of a peripheral thing until he kind of has to clean up the pieces at the end. Right. And uh, what I like about those episodes is it allows uh, it, it really allows you to or allows them to uh, the breadth of different kinds of stories to really expand. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're not limited to everything through the point of view of Batman. Right. You can get into criminal-specific stories. Uh, you can get into the, the, the more fun side stories, like the smaller stuff that we, we've really liked up to this point. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, I, think it's, I think I've probably said this before, but I think that's probably the smartest innovation storytelling-wise that they made in the show. Right. Well, I think the smartest decision they made storytelling-wise was connecting this to Pagliacci. The, uh... Yeah, why does why Gotham should not let that <laughs> opera come to town ever? They're only asking for trouble. Yeah, if it's I mean, not the Penguin, who's I... just an opera fan, it's gonna be the Joker. <laughs> yeah, so why even why even risk it? Exactly. Yeah, and anytime they have a show like that, um, they should just stake it with just fill the audience with police with cops yes. basically. <laughs> just wait because you know Pagliacci ain't gonna come out. It's gonna be the Joker or Penguin if you're not as lucky. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm not up to my Pagliacci uh, understanding as I used to be. Um, but for my it, you know, it's it kind of jeal- it, it mirrors the idea of love, jealousy. You know, this crying mm-hmm. clown, and you know, the operaticness of course fits uh, Penguin. And I think that it also informed a lot of his dialogue because a lot of his kind of corny one-liners are very much like "time for the second act." And yes. uh, yeah. I can't remember the other ones. Something about a high note, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, there was yeah, some the whole... like Jokerish dialogue that they were giving him. Yeah, he's he's a little bit uh, a little bit quippy in this one. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and the whole climax more or less takes place back in the theater with him him riding a giant dragon, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the very last shot of Batman leaving through the doorway, I I don't know why I always that always stands out to me. Like Batman standing in the box seats, looking at, um, is it? Oh, it's Veronica. So Veronica mm-hmm. apologizes to Penguin and says, like, well, actually, you know, it wasn't all just me using you. I actually did feel a friendship towards you. And uh, you know, he's taken away in cuffs, and he's basically like, fuck you, rich people are evil. And then it, the camera ends on her standing in the aisle looking towards Penguin by herself. And then you look up to see Batman standing in the box seats looking down at her. And he like mm-hmm. his eyes narrow and he glares. And then he turns and exits stage right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was thinking, like, would it be better if he was just like left behind the curtain? Or is there a more like operatic way for him to leave? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I guess he could have like just stepped backwards into the shadows or something. <laughs> but he could do that in any alleyway. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he puts on his his Viking helmet and then <laughs> soars off into the clouds. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and you know, I, I hadn't thought about that last scene with him squinting narrowing his eyes at veronica because that really kind of reinforces the fact that it's like the penguin's the one who broke the law here but you're the one who did something wrong yeah and i think bruce does a good job of checking up on them um uh, he's there to arrest penguin at the very beginning obviously for stealing uh paintings and then um he breaks up the alleyway attack and then uh when he realizes veronica is with penguin he shows up as bruce at an art gallery uh, and yep. then at an opera yep. to sort of keep tabs and make sure, like, you know, I know that he's friends with Veronica and he's just not sure what the hell her plan is here, but he knows how snobbery, uh, how snobbish high, so- high society can be and he just doesn't want her to do something stupid. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah, the end when he's kind of glaring at her. Uh, I don't know, maybe. I-, I liked it. I thought the glare was a little intense, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, this is another one, too, um like the terror in the sky episode where it kind of shows that Batman is not infallible, mm-hmm. uh, that he does for lack of a better term, make mistakes or that his, yeah. his assumptions are not always correct because he seems to assume the worst out of everybody. Right. <laughs> and, uh, in well, this case, he's, you know, in, in terror in the sky, he's assuming the worst out of, uh, Langstrom, which ends up to be incorrect. Yeah. Um, and in yeah. this one, he's assuming the worst out of the penguin, which, ultimately ends up being correct but not not for the reasons not he because thinks. yeah it's yeah. for different reasons yeah it's it's yeah. very much uh, a gray right. area well to go back to where i why i think you should turn if this turn this up to 11 is because mm-hmm. you know i feel bad for penguin but he is about to cut a rope where she's on she's hanging from a chandelier a giant glass chandelier he's about to cut a mm-hmm. rope and she's about to crash to her death so mm-hmm. he doesn't become empathetic at that point to me Whereas if mm-hmm. you, you made it more that he was actually falling for her, and maybe rather than him put her life in danger, he actually saves her at the end, but in doing so has to go back sure. to jail. or so. I know that's kind of tropey in, in its own way, but I guess I would prefer to see... I would be interested to see a version of that in this episode rather than... They, they didn't go all the way into the deep end, I'd say. Yeah. I For me, I don't know. I feel like if for that to really work for me, I think... Veronica and her buddy is boyfriend brother. I don't know what he is. I think it's a brother um, or a gay friend. <laughs> would have. I think that they would have to be dialed up. Their the evil end of them ha- would have to be dialed up a little bit more, even possibly into some sort of crime. Yeah. Oh. Um. Just just because oh, I I just I don't yeah, know. That's interesting. Having having uh having Penguin ultimately be the bad guy just because. You know, he has no other choice but to be the bad guy in that situation. I, I don't know. That doesn't telling that story of someone trying to reform honestly mm-hmm. and then being pushed back into a life of crime yeah. is it's really tough. Yeah. Um, so to have if if yeah, if you could do that, but have it lead to Veronica and her friend being exposed as some sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, embezzling money or so, I don't know what it would be right. uh, to to allow for Penguin maybe having a change of heart like you're saying at the end which mm-hmm. then ultimately leads to the downfall of the of the real villains i think that would that would work a little bit better for me yeah i guess i'm saying i don't like that he tried to kill her i think that that's when sure. he lost all empathy for me and i thought it was really interesting yeah. that he sort of liked her you know well you know and i mean that's the thing i i don't 
I think the difference that where we're coming from with this is I don't really empathize with him at all, and that's kind of what I find interesting. Like I, I'm not, I'm not interested in the story because of the amount of empathy that is built with the penguin. I'm interested in the character of him being someone who's trying to reform on paper, essentially only, or at least you know trying to do the take the easiest way out when he's not really serious about it as opposed to really pulling at my heartstrings about this guy who's trying to turn over a new leaf. I think that I think that's where the disconnect is. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I do see it as uh, em- empathetic. I mean, I never had trouble getting ladies like he does. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I know that that's a, a... All joking aside, I know that that's... Um, it's interesting to see him turn over a new leaf, and it becomes much easier for him if he suddenly has a hot girlfriend. You know, sure. And the minute yeah. that doesn't go well, he's just like, "Well, fuck it, I'm just gonna kill you now." You know, yeah. Like yeah. whatever depth that they were building towards was sort of lost when that it, it fell away as being revealed as very shallow. You know, and maybe that's the point of the episode. And obviously, this is a kid show too. Like I wouldn't expect like a two part Heart of Ice episode where Joker or Penguin's betrayed and he fell in love and all that stuff. Like this might not be the TV show to do it. Obviously, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's that's what I, w- I found actually really interesting about the way that they do that they they do present him as being kind of uh, disingenuous about it, because it almost feels like it that was an element that they decided on after it feels it feels like the story started the way that you're talking about it, mm-hmm. but then as they were kicking it around, they were like, well. We can't let the message of this children's show be don't try to be a better person because you're just going to get fucked, you know? (laughs) So they had to go back and be like, all right, well, what if his change isn't really honest and his dishonesty working with the dishonesty of the other people ends up in a, you know, a big ball of of, of, uh, dishonesty, right? Um, which which may or may not be the way it worked out. I don't know. But uh, it is it is interesting thinking about it through that lens. Right. I actually referenced this episode um, when I was writing uh, White Knight. I have a scene that takes place at a high-class gala. And I even have the two characters, Veronica and Pierce. Um, oh, they, really? Yeah, they're the two rich people. Like, Pierce is the one that says that he's making a million mint off of uh, you know, the best bet in Gotham is crime. And uh, he's the Oh, is this the scene with, uh, it's a, with Bruce? It's a Bruce scene, right? Yeah, it's not Bruce, like a Batman Yeah, Bruce scene. punches yeah. the guy. Bruce basically right, punches right. Pierce. Pierce is drunk when they show up at the party. Uh, yeah, Pierce is like one of the elites, basically, who reveals um, what's going on and sort of gives Bruce a clue to things that he's missing that the other mm-hmm. elites are doing, you know? Um, yeah, and I wasn't sure how major these characters were, so I, I think that they were... They are in the comics, I believe, but they're obviously nothing characters. I mean, they probably... Veronica Vreeland comes up a handful of times in the animated series. Yeah, I uh, I was reading the the trivia on this. It actually says that um, Veronica is a uh, where the hell is it? Uh, yeah, is the first appearance of cartoon exclusive character Veronica Vreeland. So I, I mean that huh. this might be old trivia. So maybe she has shown up. I okay. mean, obviously it is now if you put her in White Knight. Uh, yeah. But I was I was thinking that too. I was thinking, oh, I wonder if this is a these are characters or at least Veronica is a character who showed up before because it Wait. seems like such an easy shorthand for Bruce needs to talk to somebody else who's yeah, rich. Exactly. Why don't we look at right now? Veronica Vreeland. Am I the first one to put her in a comic? That'd be awesome. I don't know. Um, how did you feel about the animation in this episode? Um, it was good in parts. Like I, I yeah. remember the clown was really well animated on stage. Um, 
Yeah, I thought it was okay. <laughs> did you did you like it? I thought yeah, I thought it was okay. It, I mean, coming off of that uh Man Bad episode that just looks so great. Um yeah. it definitely felt a little slower and a little bit uh stockier. Yeah. Um and they had a couple of those weird perspective things where like yeah. <laughs> Batman, it's like a side shot and Batman is punching, so his fist coming across the camera is like seriously in in uh foreshortened perspective and it yeah. just Feels kind of weird, but uh, right. I did notice there was a moment towards the end when uh, when the Joker gets the brief. Uh, sorry, the Penguin gets the briefcase full of money, and he opens the briefcase. And this kind of ties back to the story I told an episode or two ago about you know drawing money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he opens up the briefcase, and it's filled with green rectangles. And the camera holds on it. There's nothing on the green rectangles. And so for a second, I was thinking, oh, did they give him fake money? Because there was nothing on the oh, money yeah. other than the fact that it was green, I right. thought it was just like like a like a dummy bag, right. you know, like uh, yeah. full of uh, Walter's Walter's underwear from the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then he picks it up and he flips through it and he's like, "Oh, real money!" And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." I guess they just <laughs> they just didn't take the time to draw the circles on it to make it look like money. Yeah, you got to go all the way when you draw money, as we said in the yeah. previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, I looked it up, Veronica Vreeland was created in this episode um but her first appearance in comics is uh in prime earth continuity okay which i haven't read so i'm not the first person to put her into a, a comic nor did i think i was um, yeah yeah it's um <laughs> I, I you know at this point it wouldn't surprise me if all of the characters who popped up only in this in this show have appeared in comics because i yeah. mean so as obviously the reason we're doing the show is because we're fans and right, we're right. and i think so many crea- fellow creators are fans that I'm sure it's full of references and stuff oh, yeah, like that. Yeah. So one uh, little side story about the color of money is uh, mm-hmm. I had uh, I was the drawing. Movie? Sorry. The mo- yeah. Never, never mind. Um, because we talked before about how much of a pain in the ass it is to render money. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So if you're drawing people gambling, usually you draw the money side on, or you zoom out enough so it's just green squares. <laughs> sure. Yep. Um, but uh, I did a comic, and I was working with a colorist. I won't name either. And uh, I had a bit where there was some, there was a hold, a stick up, a hold up at a Seven Eleven or something. And this um, woman is handing over, or there's an old lady robbing a guy at the counter um, to turn um, stereotypes on its side. And he's uh, handing her uh, a bunch of money, and I drew it up, drew them as squares basically with little circles, and that was it. It's not that big. Mm-hmm. And the colorist colored them white, like, um, huh. Uh, like an off-white. I mean, he uses a uh, a textured palette, so it wasn't pure white, but it was basically at a quick glance white or very light gray. Yeah. So when I was making notes, I'm like, "Hey, can we um make the money?" She's ha- he's not handing her receipts; he's handing her money. So can we make it green? So he uh, goes back and fixes it and sends sends it to me again, and it's like still basically gray or white. And I wrote back, I'm like, dude, we need this to be green. And uh, he wrote back this long email about how money's not actually green. How if you really zoom in, money's this color and that color and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, but for storytelling purposes, audiences view money as green. We even have expressions, the green, whatever it is. Like, you really fucking fighting me on this? And it really drove me nuts because I stuck my neck out for him a few times. I gave him uh, media ownership in the property we were working on. Like, I'm the boss here and I don't really pull rank very much. But you're seriously going to argue with me about the color of money. Yeah. I, I wish he had written back, well, for storytelling purposes, maybe you should have finished drawing the money. <laughs> but then it would have been like, why is this very well-rendered money colored white? <laughs> yeah. 
That's true. Yeah. And I don't care. Maybe he is right. But, I mean, when you travel internationally like I do, uh, and you have all the money next to each other, ours obviously reads as green. I don't care right. if you zoom in yeah. and it's actually gray and this and that color or whatever. Like, fuck you. It's basically green. It's it's basically uh, it's uh, Leaf Man colored from, uh, or I should say Leaf Man armor colored from Mega Man 2. Oh, where okay. it's like gre- green highlights, but it's kind of like an off-white gray in the yes. middle. But yes. it does, yeah. Yeah. To work in the Mega Man reference that we need to have. <laughs> yeah. Joe Joe, Joe will get it. <laughs> yeah, Joe will get it. Oh, man. Yeah, Joe's probably laughing his balls off right now. <laughs> I'm famous. Was he one of the ones that uh, bought a, uh, a ticket to uh, record with us? Unfortunately, no. No, oh. no. Uh, it was uh, three people that I, uh, as far as I know, I, I don't know who they are. So yeah. um, I'm looking forward to having them on. And uh, I have to figure out when that's going to be. Yeah. Uh, whether or not I want to try and squeeze it in this season or wait until we start season three. Because I don't right. know when we're going to do that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so uh, what, would you, uh, what would you draw in this episode? Um, or, I... you know, we, we kinda, we've kind of switched over into just drawing, but we used to talk about changing stuff. So if there's nothing you'd want to draw, you know, what would you change? And I think you, you know, we both kind of got into what we might change about it. Yeah. Um, to answer the drawing question, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe him on the dragon, I guess, with the Viking I was helmet. thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really the most visually interesting thing in the episode yeah which isn't a bad thing um yeah i how do you feel here's a question how do you feel because my my another my other instinct was maybe do something with uh the Pagliacci scene because it would be fun to to draw the like the stage show and stuff and yeah, yeah. but i was thinking and this is my question how do you feel about drawing theaters <laughs> Uh, drawing theaters to me is like drawing airplanes. Like, how do you draw a bunch of seats without having to really draw a bunch of seats? Right. Yeah. And audience members, you know, do you blank faces or do you render them? And well, uh, what about what about the more uh, the flashier aspects, like the actual uh, right. like the walls where the balconies are and stuff? And oh, all that kind right. Of stuff. Yeah. I mean, if it's like ornate Baroque architecture, it's all that golden gobbly gook puke. You know. Um, yeah. I I have certain patience for that, but after a while, I just get tired of it. I could do it yeah. for a few panels if I need to, though. How about you? Yeah, I. Uh, th- that's one of those things where I really need to kind of change my my brain as to how I'm thinking about the space. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I had to do a book uh, that featured a scene inside a theater, like an old busted down theater, and um, and I'm and I'm looking I'm looking at all these great photo references and stuff of these cool theaters. Yeah. But I wasn't totally grasping the way the ba- the balcony like box seats worked, because right. they kind of like they kind of come out and they kind of make the turn it into like this weird staircase pattern mm-hmm. um, on the the way the walls come out. Right. And uh, and I'm looking at it and I'm going like, man, these places are a lot smaller than I thought they were. And also, all the cool stuff is like on the ceiling. So if if you're drawing a scene, unless you're shooting up at the ceiling, all you're yeah. really going to see is like stage and a wall, and yeah. that's not super exciting to draw a lot of times. No, no, it's not. So I guess it's all about camera placement, right? I will say drawing a stage and a curtain is is very easy. Like yeah. I think drawing curtains yeah. over anything or loose cloth is always like a time saver for me because you don't have to render anything. If you basically know how cloth works and have quick. You know, you're talking about different kinds of leaves that you have in your head about sure, things. Sure, sure. Yeah. Plants, shrubbery. For me, cloth has like, you know, five different types of folds and that's it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, that's why when of... I draw cars, that's when I when I draw cars, they're always covered in some sort of tarp, so I don't have to actually draw the car. I can just draw the tarp cover. <laughs> why, why do people hate drawing cars in comics? Because <laughs> they're hard. <laughs> they're, they're not hard. They're challenging. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was drawing. Um, uh, Harley Quinn the other day, and I'm, I have a close-up with a, of her. With a big, billowy skirt on <laughs> so you wouldn't have to draw her legs. Yeah. Actually, she did have a skirt on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I was drawing her eyebrows and the, the you know the cute little nose, and I had some Adam Hughes stuff open, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, fuck, how does this guy do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, Adam Hughes drawing perfect pouty lips and shapely women, um, that's his car like he just right. excels at that shit i mean he just wants to skip the entire script and get to those panels and that's kind of me right. with cars because when i have to draw women like i just don't have the patience to really make the eyes as, like i would much rather focus on the car and make the wheels right than focus on harley quinn's eyebrows and make those right and i mm-hmm. always regret when i rush through a panel with her because i usually have to end up redoing it because i didn't slow down enough on her face you know yeah i don't yeah. know no i sure think i think we all have I think we all have stuff like that where it's, you know, in, in retrospect, you're like, I really should have put the time in on that. Yeah. Um, cause I, I'm actually, I'm more or less the other way where I, I much, much more prefer drawing like organic stuff. Yeah. Uh, just cause that's where my skill set l- lends yeah. itself to. I like the stuff that's a little bit more, uh, mushy and organic. Right. And, uh, so anytime that I have to do something like it took me for a long, I, I don't consider myself like a perspective master cause I'm not, it still drives me crazy every time I have to do it and like buildings and stuff. But there, uh, there are a lot of times where I, where I have in the past drawn a building where I've just sort of half-assed it and because I wanted to focus on the stuff I actually enjoyed. Yeah. And every single time I go back and I go, man, I really should have spent more time on that building or, yeah. Uh, I really should have worked out the perspective on that car better or something right. like that. Yeah, it's interesting. When you do this long enough, you can grab a book off the shelves and figure out where the artist was spending his calories and where yeah. he or she wasn't. You know, like, oh, yeah. this artist obviously doesn't like drawing cars. You know, usually when I open a book, <laughs> I see cars being cropped any way you possibly can so that you don't mm-hmm. have to actually draw them. And I'm like, oh, come on. You picked a Mustang. Draw it. Don't crop yeah. it out. Don't just show me a headlight. Yeah, I used to. Uh, I've done that once or twice where I've like, I'm gonna actually. I've I've doubled down. I've I've killed two birds with one stone. Where I need to do, I have to come up with a composition for the street scene. Mm-hmm. So let's see. If I put the wheel of a tire or the wheel of a car like really front into the composition, that blocks out half the street. So I only have to draw half as many buildings now, and I don't have to draw the whole car. Exactly. So it's a win-win scenario. Oh, yeah. I think every artist has done that. You use like creative cropping that uh, Toth would have used. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not lazy. And I mean, it's creative. I, yeah, no. It's not, I, don't, I don't think it's lazy or cheating at all. Because, again, you know, I, as we've talked about, I think probably last episode or so, uh, it's all about focus, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about what's the most important thing in the scene, and you draw mm-hmm. the hell out of that, and then just the rest of it sort of kind of is uh, is dressing, you know? Right, yeah. I was doing, um, again, I won't mention the artist's name. I was we, we were hiring a bunch of artists to do variant covers for us on a book I did a while back, and um, one of the covers had to have a car in it, and I purposefully gave it to a guy who 
uh, we used to be friends, but I didn't. I was pissed at him for some reason, and I'm like, you know what? This guy's always trying to find ways to not draw cars. I'm going to give him the cover that he wants the least, and he's not going <laughs> to say no because he wants to impress the writer. Like he's hoping to to finagle his own gig out of this. I know. So he's going to do is, it. This is this is revenge that is so specific to an industry, <laughs> so a very small him, industry. I gave him the shittiest one, and I I made sure like there's no way around it. You have to draw a car, asshole. And mm-hmm. he drew it like one point perspective, like put the camera right behind the rear bumper, so you don't. Ha- he still tried to get out of having to do any work at all, and it is the worst cover that I've ever seen him do. And every time <laughs> I get these covers, because they're variants of my book. I always have to sign his covers because I did the interiors. And every time uh-huh. I sign it, I'm like, yeah, take that. <laughs> That's what you get for being lazy and being <laughs> friends with me and wronging me somehow in the past to make me focus on you like this. <laughs> you should start You should start putting an extra piece of paper underneath it and finish the car. <laughs> Just draw it the right way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I used to that's, give him shit when we, were, when we were friends. I'm like, you don't like drawing cars. It's obviously you don't like drawing cars. All your cars have wagon wheels. You do this, like, giant Batcave, and you gave the Batmobile, like, really poorly. These aren't, you don't even know how ellipses work, and it, it shows, mm-hmm. you know. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to teach him a lesson by proving that he couldn't do what I could do. And it was, it was petty. <laughs> I get it. I'm not saying I'm the hero in this story. <laughs> no, very much not. Um, you I'm know, the Veronica Vreeland of this story. Yeah, yeah, that's a really that's a really good analogy, actually. Yeah, um, and and you and a whole a whole subset of the listeners are giving you the Batman squinty eyes, right? <laughs> um, you know, for me, it's it's not that I don't want to or don't like drawing cars. It's just that I again, I, it was not something. If I could go back in time and and give myself uh, one piece of advice as mm-hmm. far as as drawing goes it would be draw learn how to draw everything because if you want to be a comic book artist you have to know how to draw everything yeah you got to know how to draw telephones you got to know how to draw cars you got to know how to draw couches and like how couches sit in a room which is weirder than you think it is yeah you know there's lots of stuff like that and you got to learn perspective you know i didn't like perspective in like vehicles and stuff never really interest me right. when I was younger so I never really put the time in to learn how to do it and I wish I had because now I would love I would love to be able to draw you know cars or planes and stuff the way that you draw them mm-hmm. but it's like I'm I have to essentially learn how to do it as I'm working yeah uh and that's what takes the fun out of it cuz it's like well ugh, this is really going to slow me down to figure out how to draw this perfectly Mm -hmm. is it possible for me to kind of like sidestep it a little bit because i I, you know i think you come down to a certain thing where it's like do i do a shitty car Mm -hmm. and feel bad about the fact that i have a shitty car Mm -hmm. or do i really take the time to kick the ass of this car in this one panel that is only in it for like that one panel and really and like basically take over my whole day yeah. So yeah, it's one of those things where I haven't quite figured. I'm not with buildings and stuff. I'm getting better at those, so I, it doesn't take me as long to work that stuff out now. Mm-hmm. But uh, with cars, it's still there's still something funky about really getting right. my hand or head around them that, yeah. that I haven't figured out yet. I mean, if you have to do 22 comics or 22 pages generally, and if you have to do generally 22 pages in you know six weeks or four weeks, whatever, mm-hmm. you don't have time to challenge yourself every single page you need to right. have pages where it's like all right uh, batman in the dark alleyway there's gordon smoking a cigarette got it no cars textures bricks nothing nothing hard here you know this is right, going to be right. you know an eight hour day 
And then you've got the next page where, you know, Gordon gets into his car and lights up the, the, the roof and then takes off. Do you have time to really draw that car? You know, is this the best place to spend right. your calories? Or should you spend it on the next page where you're drawing Batman by a gargoyle? You know, certainly right, readers are right. going to want to see that. I mean, yeah, I appreciate Gordon's sweet, sweet ride being, you know, rendered correctly. <laughs> but most people probably care more about Batman's gargoyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, well, I see, that's why, uh, that's why the next book that I'm, I'm going to be doing, thanks to everyone who donated to my awesome Kickstarter, um, and I mean that in that you guys made it awesome, not that I'm giving myself a pat on the back. That's not what I heard. Uh, <laughs> Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm the Veronica Vreeland of this story, I guess. <laughs> How droll. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, that's, why I, that's why my next book is going to take, take place entirely during World War I, where there was just basically mud and broken trees. <laughs> yeah, the only technical drawing you have to do are those stupid bowl helmets that we were all wearing back then. Yeah, and I have one. I, I bought one from a costume s- a store. Yeah. So uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting some really cool lighting effects and shadows and stuff with those things. Yeah. Even the tanks are cool, but it was like those are even kind of sort of easy to draw. I don't know how you how your your uh, feeling was when you drew it for that cover, but yeah, I like that tank. That's the um, one that was used in Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. I've drawn right. it, yes. drawn it before. It's always a good tank. Um, so, sorry, one more quick story. A friend of mine sure. was doing layouts for a really famous comic book artist. Again, I won't mention his name. Different than the guy that I fucked over <laughs> with the car car cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really behind on a book, and my friend was doing layouts. And I saw these layouts, and like, this is really good. Uh, I hope the artist draws what you're suggesting, because this artist is very good, but I hope he doesn't mm-hmm. get lazy like artists tend to do uh, sometimes. And he had this shot of um, all these soldiers and a couple main Marvel characters uh, standing behind a tank, like a World War II-style <coughs> tank. And it mm-hmm. looked awesome. I'm like, man, I would love to see this artist who's drawing this book draw your layout. Because he, he hasn't put that much detail into any panel for years. But I think mm-hmm. that this is the calling to him to actually you know, spend the calories and do this right. And uh, when I finally saw the published book, uh, the artist had taken the tank, moved it completely out of frame, so you only see the tip of the barrel. <laughs> and it's like a cartoon Acme tank-style tank barrel. And then all Amazing. the other complicated soldiers are shoved off to the side, like cropped. And then you have the main character of the book, which is what the book was named after. He's front and center, you know, like a splashy shot of him. And it's not nearly as awesome as it would have been. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right, yeah. Artists get lazy sometimes. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I bet he sold that splash page of the focus on the main character for a lot more money than he would have sold it for a tank page. I know, I, guess, I know. Well, the, the the setup that my friend had was, you know the rendering of Hellboy, the photo of Hellboy as a kid surrounded by all those soldiers? Sure, yeah. Uh, I love that, that um, panel that Mike drew, and I think that it took a lot of time to get all the helmets right and the facial expressions and everything is draped in shadow and Hellboy is perfectly framed by all these yep. photos. And I thought that that was my friend was setting up, which w- would have looked awesome. But that takes a lot of work. Like, that's a lot of calories to, to pull that off. Right. And I think this book yeah. my friend was working on was really, really behind. So what are you going to yeah. do? Well, you know. Yeah, you got to do what you can. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah, what would you uh, what would you rate this one? Uh, I'm between a three and a four. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give it a I'm going to I'm going to be cheap and say it's a high three. OK, I'll do, I'll do that. Yeah. We give high threes around right. here. That's fine. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, in our multi- multiple point system, yeah. five point, five five point, but also multiple subset point system. <laughs> no, it's um, a loose five. Yeah, loose five. 
yeah, so that's going to do it for Birds of a Feather. Take a quick break, and we'll be back with What is Reality? What is Reality? Written by Marty Eisenberg and Robert N. Skier, directed by Dick Sebast, and in this one, seeking to prove once and for all that his, that his is the superior mind, the Riddler lures Batman into a riddle-solving contest inside the virtual reality of a computer game in order to save Commissioner Gordon's life. In the course of solving the riddles and escaping the Riddler's traps, Batman learns that he is able to manipulate the virtual reality landscape much like the Riddler does. Um, yeah, so hmm. two things. Yep. Uh, I love that this is, uh, right in the pocket of that early nineties. Hey, everybody just found out about this concept of virtual reality, <laughs> but nobody knows what it is, <laughs> yeah. uh, and how this show determined to do that and go down that road the way the X-Files had and, and mm-hmm. all these other shows in a completely inaccurate way of de- describing what virtual reality is. Yep. Um, and also, isn't this... Essentially the same plot as the last Riddler one, where he's just like, come into my video game, and... It's, yeah. It is. It's beat for beat, the same episode. I think it's turned up to 11. I, sorry, I keep using that expression. Um, in fact, um, in the Nintendo NES version of this game, there were two different levels dedicated to the Riddler, and they were each mm-hmm. of these episodes. Because um, I remember playing oh, this, really? this episode, and Batman can only step on every two chess spaces before one crumbled and everything was colored red and you had Riddler in the background like pointing down at you like a godlike view basically mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy both these episodes but I definitely question why they f- felt the need to redo the previous episode literally beat for beat I mean it starts off you've got Robin in it you've got Joker uh, Riddler running around making a few really you know lame riddles Batman finally gets to the gauntlet, whatever it might be. You know, the first time mm-hmm. it was like a, a park that he converted to a, a trap, whatever, death trap. And now it's like it's, a virtual it's actually, reality. It's actually a flip of the last one because the last one was a video game that they turned into an amusement park. Oh, yeah. And this this one is uh, literally drawing Batman into a video game. Yeah. So when the writers complain about how Riddler episodes are so hard to write, you know, I'd say, well, you really only wrote one but didn't yeah. get two episodes out of it, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it's like to write a riddle. I have no idea what I would do, honestly. This seems like it's really hard. But, yeah, yeah this is the same I, thing. Uh, uh, the thing I actually, uh, you know, I actually really like the riddles when, when they... When, <laughs> the Batman's when riding Batman, around, he's holding change. He's like, hmm, sense, yeah. copper, red. <laughs> well, they're just so outside the box. They're so friggin' weird. Yeah. And when the thing that I actually laughed out loud when Batman and Alfred... <laughs> determined that the the riddles were giving him the letters DMV. I uh-huh. was like, that's that is so abstract yep. and so hilarious, <laughs> and and ultimately serves no purpose because it's like, why would you give Batman that element of the, that's not like it's not even like cluing him into where he's hiding or something. It's just like a random piece of his plan right. that serves no ultimate purpose other than to I guess send him on a wild goose chase. I yeah, guess I don't know, man. And, wow. and yeah, the, the the quarters, the headquarters thing. I mean, yeah. it, they're just so weird and abstract. And yeah. it was like they had to 
reverse engineer them. Yeah, I assume in order to write them, it's just it's I I, yeah. I found them very very fun. Yeah, and the only thing that makes up for that is Robin is actively pointing out how dumb they are in this episode. Yeah. Like he, the amount of times he's like, "Oh, give me a break." <laughs> He's aware that they're <laughs> shitty, and at least they the episode makes fun of itself in a way. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 essentially yeah the same episode as the last one, and uh, it's just more of an Ill, of an uh, animation showcase, I guess, because yeah. they got to go, do some cool virtual reality stuff. Yeah, but it, there's so many so many weird loose ends like. How did they get that giant supercomputer inside of inside of the police station? Yeah. yeah. And through that seemingly one tiny door? Yeah, that's the kind of thing where you have to like build a computer before you build a police station around it. Yeah, yeah, like you would have to specifically work into the arch- architecture for the building a place yeah. to put that giant computer. Yeah. Also, I love that it was uh Robin got foiled by the concept of Wi-Fi. Because yeah. he's like, this can't, it can't be connected to the internet. There's no phone line. And Riddler's like, Wi-Fi, bitch. But he doesn't talk about the internet. He says it's not connected to a phone line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Robin yeah. checked the software. He didn't check the hardware, i.e. Yeah. the giant massive plug coming out of the bottom <laughs> that's plugged into another obvious plug. Yeah, it's like that's like saying that's like saying you get in front of a computer and uh, you couldn't find the file you were looking for because you were just looking at the Photoshop app or something <laughs> as opposed to searching the hard drive. It's it's yeah, it's a very rudimentary understanding of computers. Also, I a hundred a hundred and ten percent thought that at the end they were like, well. I guess the Riddler's gotten away. I thought Batman was going to be like, I don't think so, and like kick the computer and it was going to open up and the Riddler was going to be inside of it. Because it was <laughs> – I felt like that was the only plausible way to end this, but apparently not. I did like the ending when the Riddler is stuck in his own uh, machine. I thought that was kind of like a bittersweet ending. Or kind yeah, of a sad, it's, it, sad ending for him. Again, it reminded me of uh, the movie, the Batman Returns a little bit, where he uh, oh, he's yeah. got that mind – sucking machine that he ends up it ends up driving him nuts or whatever yeah, and he ends yeah. up in arkham asylum at the end yeah uh interesting yeah this was, was this i was before uh the batman and robin batman forever uh this was 1992 so i think yes yeah this this was uh yeah november 24th 1992 uh march 7th 1993 was when they played it in prime time right so this predated the schumacher stuff yeah interesting you remember, um, uh, I remember when virtual reality had – it really tried to push its way into pop culture in the 90s. It I did remember, the sa- It's the same thing that 3D did where it was like the concept was there but yeah, it wasn't good enough yet. No. But they tried to push it anyway. Yeah. They had a like a VR something-something machine. It had like these big plastic red goggles you put over your face. You'd step into this thing. And it had a ring around it, so you didn't step off it and fall down, basically. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. th- th- it was basically a giant compute TV screen right in front of your face, and it gave you a mm-hmm. fucking headache. And if you you could easily give you epileptic seizures if you're prone to that stuff. Um, yeah. It was it sucked. It wasn't as good, and I think the the industry was pushing VR. But even as an impressionable thirteen year old at the time, I was just like, no. So even now, when I see VR making another comeback with you know people turning their smartphones into screens and putting on their faces, whatever's going on right now, like I'm sure it's going to yeah. get there eventually, no doubt about it. But I'm still not sold on if it's actually going to happen this time. 
Yeah, you know, um, do, you, do you remember Virtual Boy, the Nintendo? That too. Uh, yeah, that was the yeah. big red. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, also very lame. <laughs> um, I actually did a virtual reality thing recently. I was at a, a casino for my buddy's uh, bachelor party, and they had a virtual reality thing set up. It was really fun. Oh, cool. Because it was, yeah, because the, the 3D technology has kind of caught up mm-hmm. to the VR technology. So it was like, you know, you've got that headset on, and you feel like you are in in the game it was very cool yeah but um i think it's fine it's not quite what the uh the more imaginative writers thought it was going to be mm-hmm. uh we're like oh you've been sucked inside the game <laughs> and and uh, apparently based on this episode you put that headset on and then just like flop to the side or something and can't actually move <laughs> yeah. um you do you remember do, you do it Go ahead. do you remember a tv show called vr5 yeah, I do. I don't remember what that was though. Yeah, it was uh it was a, a VR5 was an American science fiction television series broadcast on Fox uh and it only went 13 episodes and uh it was about a the daughter of a computer scientist who was working on developing virtual reality um and uh I think he gets sucked into the computer or something. Right. Yeah. Oh, so no. the uh, the The father and the mother die in a car crash or something, oh, and then the wow. daughter, the daughter who works for the telephone company and is a computer hobbyist, accidentally discovers that she can enter an advanced type of virtual reality <laughs> where she can interact with other people. Her actions in the virtual world have have an effect on the real world. Uh-huh. She subsequently agrees to use her abilities to help a mysterious secret organization called the Committee. <laughs> She receives her covert assignments from Frank Morgan and later from Oliver Sampson, and her friend Duncan advises her and helps her when he can. So uh, the show frequently uses inconsistencies in continuity and distinctive color scheme as clues to suggest what is actually happening in a very poisonous year. So it sounds like it. It sounds like there was a. a, a, a I mean, if you just look it up and look I, at the I cover am. of it, I'm looking yeah, at it right it, now. It looks like a poor man's Daryl Hannah as the main character. Yep. You have mm-hmm. a guy with her that looks like the Highlander. Actually, I thought this was. Uh, Duncan McLeod, I forget the actor's name. Oh yeah, he does kind of look like uh, Adrian Paul. Adrian Paul, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow. And this actress, I've seen her in some other stuff. She's got one of those faces that pops up a lot in entertainment. Yeah, it also featured uh, um, uh, Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer in it as uh, as her buddy for a while too. Oh uh, yeah. There's also a motorboat called a VR5 that I'm discovering. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> stupid Google, give me the show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, the cover to it is just like imagine any overblown computer ad from the back of a comic book, and that's oh, yeah. like the poster for the and show. No, where it it's... looks like the music, Aerosmith music video for uh, "It's Amazing." Yes. <laughs> yeah. You have like some grunge guy with long hair who can't get laid, surrounded by di- Mountain Dew, plugs in and starts using these like. Nintendo Power Gloves, and I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. It's actually a little bit yeah. creepy now that I think back to that video. <laughs> yes, just just a hair, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the virtual reality boom of the early 90s was really interesting, because yeah, it was it was like this, it was this idea, this novel idea that had a lot of like uh, um, uh, creative potential, mm-hmm. but it didn't live up to the, the way other people were thinking about it. It was like the equivalent of... Uh, when you pick up an old Nintendo game and you look at the the cover art for the Nintendo game, you go, holy shit, whatever this Metroid thing is, it looks unbelievable. And then you plug it in and you're like, oh, all right, this yeah. doesn't yeah. this doesn't entirely live up to the cover art that it had. <laughs> I mean, the painting? Um, 
Yeah, the awesome paintings. Oh, I thought you meant like the screenshots in the back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the game adventure um, for Atari, way better uh, painting than the dot, the yellow dot you play with. Yes. As the, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, on. they had to do a lot of heavy lifting on that box <laughs> art early in the days. But, you know, one of the things that got me back into video games, not that I'm huge into them now, yeah. but um, when Xbox 360 and stuff started coming out and whatnot, uh, I was like, oh, my God, the games actually match the box art now. Like, if you if you pick up Batman Arkham Knight and yeah. it's got that awesome, you know, fully rendered Batman and standing on the city and stuff, that's right. what you're playing. Right. And I think it's the same kind of thing with virtual reality where, I mean, not quite because it's not like we're all lawn, lawnmower man or anything. But, right, right. Um, it's kind of caught up where, oh, this is actually as sort of as cool as, as people expected it to be back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And still does not make any – is nothing like what was in this episode. No, yeah, I – you got to wear an adult diaper or something while you're plugged into this thing because your body, like yeah. you said, just slumps over and you just start to drool. Um, one thing that I didn't like was um, episodes like this. Like I get the potential for fun animation stunts, but mm-hmm. what bugs me is the rules aren't clear. So yes. Riddler, is is he controlling this universe? So if you, mm-hmm. if you could distract him or fool him or if you make him separate a million times like Batman does at the end, is he? How would he? He knows that he's losing, gonna lose control because Riddler also has to hold this place together, and yeah. and then Batman's on a uh, minute um, uh, on a horse, uh, yep. flying through the stars, and then there's this bull that start this constellation bull that starts charging him, and suddenly the bull rams into the side of the galaxy and creates a shattering hole. Like, how, what is going on here? How did Batman know that the glass would shatter? <laughs> it's just all over the place, and I mean. I know it's a kid show, but that that kind of stuff really bugs me when it comes to plots like these. You yeah, know? well, it kind of it it kind of falls into the same trap as the last Riddler episode, which is the parameters of the game are not really well defined. Right. So when they get to the end, it just sort of starts to turn into a big mush of random exactly. stuff, which happened and like you said in the first one too. Yeah, and like in this one. You get to the point where it's 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 basically the Inception world, I mm-hmm. guess, because Batman's all of a sudden like, I can control the VR as well. And he turns his hands into his mallets. And I'm pretty sure that's not how this works, or it probably shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me think about the traps that the Riddler has in general, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Riddler's traps, uh, his games should actually be fair? Or would they actually be unbeatable? Because that's the thing I was thinking watching this. I was like, but yeah. what, what's more important to the Riddler, winning or proving that he's smarter than Batman? Because if right. it's winning, technically his game should be unbeatable because he's creating the game, so right. there's really no reason why he should create it fair. But so, if it's meant to be... Go ahead. If it's meant to be to show that he's smarter than Batman, yeah. then I guess, yeah, it would have to be fair... But there should be a moment where he has like the board flipping moment where he's he knows Batman's going to win, so then he starts pulling out the crazy shit. So I think that the Riddler becomes more defined in an episode, the next episode with him in it. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's killed Batman, and because Batman's dead, he kind of regrets it, and he hangs up. He burns his mask, like he's not going to be the Riddler anymore because Batman was the only one who deserved to face the challenge or could live up to the challenge or something like that. Oh, really? So, yeah, Riddler's motivation, at least in that episode, is he likes to challenge Batman because he respects him. Um, I don't Mm. think it's proving that he's smarter than him. So I think maybe at the beginning, Riddler was obsessed with proving to people that he was smart. 
But as time went on, he respected Batman as an equal, and then he just liked to get him into these traps and challenge him, just like a game of chess meets mousetrap over and over and over. You know, the stakes right. get higher each time just because he's bored, I guess, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the more interesting way to go with it, is that he's just... He's 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 almost more fascinated by Batman than anything else where he's he he understands that Batman even though he doesn't want to admit it he understands that Batman is probably his equal if not maybe a little bit smarter right. but he yeah <clears throat> so his goal is to he's kind of intrigued by how far he can push Batman and whether or not Batman can can solve the problem right um and it you know it makes me think about how in this one Batman is like well i guess I can also control. It's like playing with it's playing a game with a little kid where the little kid changes the rules on you and is like, "Well, I have a giant gun mm-hmm. and I'm invincible." It's oh, like, it's well, like a game okay. of Calvin Ball from uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um and it's like I was thinking I feel like cheating to beat the Riddler. You can debate on whether or not he, Batman cheats here cuz I guess technically he just Yeah understands his capabilities better but yeah. it feels like cheating and i he feel che- like he cheated the first time too he used the hand of fate to skip the yeah phase. we had someone comment saying that batman doesn't actually cheat there i can't remember exactly what the comment was but it was something about uh he doesn't cheat because he's still working within the parameter i don't know I, I forget what it was i apologize for 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 mangling your comment but uh yeah interesting i feel like Generally, cheating to beat the Riddler is not the best way to beat him mm-hmm. because that's always going to embolden him by saying, well, you cheated to win. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if you're going to beat the Riddler, you have to beat him. You have to straight up beat him. Right. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe Batman ultimately can't beat him, so he has to cheat, which right. then just brings the Riddler to be like, okay, well, you know, you're just telling me that I'm smarter than you are because you had to cheat to win. Right. Yeah. That. All those ideas could work in different versions. I guess it depends on how you like your Riddler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting character. I'm, I was actually kind of surprised that we saw... We've seen two Riddler episodes. I think both of them were this season, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun to have uh, have two of them, but I was yeah. actually surprised that, that we, we would get two because it feels like they, they tend to do, like, of the more slightly off-the-beaten-path ones, they only do one. Like, this is a... That, Penguin episode is, I think, the f- only Penguin episode we've seen with him as the main bad guy since the first season, I think. Yeah, with the little kids in the basement. Yeah, I think that was the only other one where he was, like, the central... He's shown up in, like, cameo here and there. Yeah. But that's the only other one I can think of where he was uh, uh, the yeah. straight-up the villain. Yeah. Do modern takes on um, Riddler and Penguin... I don't. I haven't read the most modern, recent Batman comics in continuity, but... Is Riddler like a psychopath killer now? Are they both murderers? I'm just trying to think of how they would update these characters, and I hope they didn't go the let's just make them more violent route. Right, right. I think it's varied. I think the Riddler has uh, has gone through a bunch of different things. Like uh, I know there was a. I think we talked about this in the last one. There was a, uh, the last Riddler episode. Mm-hmm. There was a period during the the 90s nightfall era where he got juiced up on venom yep. so he was like a, a big you know muscle guy which yeah. never felt right yeah um yeah i think he kind of uh uh he kind of uh is is kind of open to interpretation yeah right right and we said before um the riddler is a little bit like the clock king yes yeah would you rather do a riddler story or a clock king story um I think I would rather do a Riddler story, just because I I like I like the branding of the Riddler more than the <laughs> Clock King. 
I'd take Clock King because it's uh, less uh, less known about. He's, he's mm-hmm. a less popular character, so I'd like to take a crack at it. But um, yeah, Riddler. I mean, he's the only one of all the uh, villains that I drew that I really didn't change him that much because I just didn't have much to say. Um, in, in my book, they were all zombified, basically. So uh, Riddler's uh, actions were limited to shooting a, he has a cane that he walks with so it's like a machine gun cane so he's basically just there as support <laughs> while there's mayhem going on in the background like you don't need to focus i mean it doesn't make sense that riddler they would even need riddler in this situation but you know i yeah. put him in there so you why know, not keep using him uh i remember when we were talking about curse of the white knight um i completely i didn't even realize riddler was in the first one because exactly. i had pitched uh yeah i had pitched riddler to you as 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 the main villain for the second for curse of the white knight and you're like, oh, no, I already used him. I was like, oh, my, oh wow, I didn't even realize he was in there. Because, yeah. yeah, he's sort of way off in the background. Yep, yeah. I purposely didn't put him. I, I focused on Bane, Croc, um, and a few others, mostly. They're the ones that got closest to the camera. Uh, the other yeah, ones just kind of yeah. fell in the book. Because I just didn't – I mean, I, I could write – I'd love to take a crack at a Riddler story one day. You know, as we talk about this episode, I'm sort of having ideas about how to turn the Riddler into the villain from Saw – or something like that. Yeah, we talked about that a bit in the last episode yeah. about making him making his puzzles either more dangerous or. Yeah. Uh, I was saying how I I really liked um, the idea of treating him kind of like the Zodiac killer, mm-hmm. where he's sending you know riddles and stuff to the uh, to the newspapers and stuff, and that's where he gets his fa- his uh, infamy from and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I had a few riddler ideas while I was watching uh, Mine Hunters. The, mm. the newest season and uh mm-hmm. I, i'm not going to share them because i might use them but um yeah there's a ton of stuff that i think you could go into for the riddler that hasn't been done yet honestly you know yeah yeah I, I think the most interesting thing about him is that his through all of the changes that may or may not be done to him his look is more or less the same there's only like really a couple things you can do with the riddler it's yeah. it's either the leotard look or he's got some <laughs> sort of green suit on and that's about it <laughs> Yeah, and I don't was, know if that's because it's so <laughs> limited or if it's just that's what looks best or what. Yeah, I like. I personally would rather do the suit version just because uh, yeah. I'm more about contemporary anyway. But uh, yeah, if you like the Adam West or even season four of this cartoon, they, they put him back in a leotard. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So yeah, what uh, what would you uh, what would you draw in this one? Um, I think Batman. Uh, well, let me. I think I know what you're going to draw. So let me tell you what I think you're gonna answer with is um mm-hmm. batman on the um uh unicorn flying he's wearing like a uh uh mid- oh medieval, the armor yeah, yeah i thought armor. that was cool i was thinking about that and yeah draped, this draped one in red too it's almost like fire lit <sighs> batman I, I didn't so okay so sidetrack <laughs> okay i knew i had a feeling you were gonna say that <laughs> and i was thinking about it specifically and i do not like the red batman what why? Yeah, I don't know. I just it wasn't doing it for me because it it just it, I don't know. Just painting everything red doesn't work for me the same way because there's no lighting to it at all. It's just he's he's red now and he's got a black hood. It just didn't work. It's such a snob. Oh my god! What are you talking about? I like it when oh, it looks orange, good. Yeah. Orange. No, yeah, the orange red. looks great because you've get you're actually lighting him. By fire, so it's you've got the shadows and stuff. And this one, it was just they painted him pink, <laughs> and it it wasn't doing it for me. And which leads me to my second point: mm-hmm. uh, they're really dropping the ball as far as firelit Batman this season, because there have been multiple times this season where he has been involved in some sort of fire-related mishap, 
and they do not go the extra mile to paint him with that orange and brown color. It's just regular <laughs> Batman. And Birds of a Feather is one of them because there's a big bomb that goes off, and he's like swinging over it and you know standing inside of it. Same colors, no change color scheme, and it's really bumming me out because that is my favorite Batman. So wait, you, if you put an orange <clears throat> filter on um, Batman near fire, you get the Batman fire palette. Sure. All they did with this was put a red filter over it, but there's no red there. I mean, I feel like you just you have a there's bias no shadows against, though. You they don't bias? they don't do anything cool lighting wise. They oh, just they just right. turn everything like red. Oh, so this is like a red design element, whereas firelit Batman is orange light um, shadows. Yes. Okay, I, I understand. Yes. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're still you're still a little bit of a snob though. <laughs> I just know what I like, man. <laughs> okay. Um, and Dimatap colored Batman is not it. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, uh, when I was watching the end of this as Batman's dividing himself into two and then four and then eight and 16, I thought, you know, this is really cool. And I thought, actually, if I worked at this studio, I would be super bummed out to be handed this script because there's no getting out of work early when you get a script yeah. like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And I, a lot of, when people will give you those ideas, they're like, isn't it going to be exciting to draw like a thousand versions of Batman? And I'm like, mm. no, like maybe no. for some artists, but yeah, no thank you. What if I just draw one, and then the rest of them are standing in the shadows, and all you can see are their eyes? You need to do what artists do now, is make a brush that's just Batman standing there staring at the camera. So you make a Batman brush, and then you just hold down on the, <laughs> the Cintiq. It's just like, and, you yep. know, you reduce the size and shape and all that. Yep, yep. Yeah, um, yeah I was thinking about it. The, the, uh, the armored Batman is pretty cool. I did like that that look. Um I don't know. This is a tough one for me as far as what I would draw. I um, part of me thinks I would want to go a little crazier with the the uh, VR world at the end there. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that, I don't really know because there's no parameters on what it's supposed to be. So it it's tough to kind of like say, oh, I would do that a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. It just felt it felt kind of like that Simpsons episode where Homer gets sucked into the 3D world and it's just like a grid yeah. on the ground and then like some pillars and stuff standing up out of, in the middle of nowhere and like a yeah. like a lake or whatever. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, uh I would do for some reason part of me is saying I would do the reveal of the Riddler in his machine mm-hmm. cuz in my head I'm thinking like Having his machine be this huge, intrusive uh, monster of a machine that he's stuck in would be kind of fun to draw. Mm-hmm. So it's like in order to in order to generate the power that this game is is apparently capable of, he has to plug himself into this you know uh, much more much larger machine with tubes and shit going out of him and all that kind of stuff. I thought that would be kind of fun, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Armored Batman is, I guess, my safe choice. My, my, I thought the same thing you did. Batman with a helmet on, sitting in front of a giant, crazy-looking VR machine is still pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you could go... So this one's all Art Deco, obviously, because that's the style of the show. But you could go Frankenstein if you wanted to on that, that kind sure. of tech. You know, gears and cogs and electricity. and That, that could be really cool. Especially if like, like a, Batman's eyes are red as he puts the thing on or whatever. Right, yeah. Give him like a big Jack Kirby looking machine that he's sitting in front of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that works. Uh, what would you rate this one? <sighs> um, I'm gonna go a strong three. 
Um, the, I'm taking off more points because it's just a rehash of the previous Riddler episode. Yeah. I think it's a better version, but I still think like one of them has to suffer at points because they're basically the same. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's a tough one for me. I, I'm between <laughs> a, a two and a three. Ooh, a two. Wow. I, yeah. Cause it's, I'm giving, I would give it a two because it's just a straight rehash of the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does has a f- it does have a few elements in it that I think are kind of fun, and it probably is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember what we gave the last one. I don't think we were very kind to it. Uh, I think I'm gonna go two, right? Yeah, which is I you know I'm hoping for a really great Riddler episode soon. Yeah, there's one coming. I think I don't want to yeah. overpromise like I did the nin- Ninja episodes. <laughs> <laughs> like we all remember how much of an idiot you look like there. <laughs> it's like recommending. Yeesh. A really sweet restaurant, and when you go, the service is bad, and you own it for the rest of the night. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I, I stopped doing that with movies a long time ago, at least to the, uh, to the, to the forcefulness that I used to. Because I, you know, if if I came across a movie that I loved, I couldn't wait to tell other other people about it. And be like, you have to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did that once, and it went so epically poorly. That it turned me off of doing it really, unless I knew my crowd. That's the thing; you got to know your crowd really well when you're doing that. Yeah. Um, and I picked the wrong crowd, and it yeah. and it's not what you're thinking of. It was something else. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was years ago with the movie Cabin Fever. <laughs> I I saw Cabin Fever. I loved it. I thought it was like, oh, it reminded me of you know Army of Dark or Evil Dead and stuff. Oh, and I thought wow. it was great. Wow. Yeah. You, you doubled down on or you single downed on it, I guess to begin with. Yeah. I really I went to bat for Cabin You're fucking Fever, and I've I've never <laughs> I've never yeah. uh, I've never quite let myself uh, forget that. So I remember I went to bat hard for a band called uh, Days of the New. <laughs> oh really yeah so oh, i know days of the new yeah okay so uh, finally found a reason now <laughs> exactly. i need an excuse oh yeah, my god yeah so i remember i was so annoyed because all my friends got into grunge right before i did and they introduced mm-hmm. me to all these bands so i wanted to find the next big band and and i was just dying to find who the next hit was so i could be the first one to bring the cd into the cafeteria and be like these guys they've got it all figured out yeah and i went in with days of the new and um yeah, that ended up not working out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it turns out yeah. that the kid, who because he was only 18, the lead singer of that band, and then he fired all of the other band members and uh, bought a drum machine or whatever you know device you buy instead of having an actual human drummer. Yeah. And uh, then it just went downhill from there. And then I was actually at an Aerosmith concert once, and Days of the New opened for them. And uh, this guy comes out on stage, who's the lead singer, and he drinks a beer and throws it into the audience and starts rocking out, you know, like rock stars do. And I'm like, wait mm-hmm. a minute. He's like 19 years old. That had to be like a diet Sprite or something. <laughs> like, you're not that hardcore, dude. <laughs> and anytime Days of the New in any way comes up on my radar, I always feel immediate shame that I chose them to go to bat for. <laughs> yeah. Sounds to me like you still like them. <laughs> Uh, no, I yeah, that kind of that that experience with uh, uh, with cabin fever, I think, is what started me um, going a diff taking a different tack with that stuff now. Where it's yeah. like, if there's something that I really enjoy that I know that a lot of people, a lot of other people don't, I come full with a fully formed explanation about what it is about the thing that I like. Oh, you do. So, you go into you turn into podcast clay. Yeah, <laughs> which I know you hate. 
<laughs> yeah. No, well, I yes. I, before I was actually podcast clay, that was just regular clay dialed down a little bit. But I yeah, now I have a tendency to if I if it goes unchecked, then it just I could go all night about yeah. stupid shit. Well, no, you but were, you know, you like, learned to leave it out because we were hanging out with my friends and someone asked you what's up with the, all these flat earthers, and you took mm-hmm. a long sip of your beer, put it down, and you're like. How much time you got? <laughs> so you you leave, you leave people an out. You usually go for the short answer, and if they want mm-hmm. more, then you'll go into the long answer. So yeah, it's like I said. It's like I said. You got to know your crowd. If people come to you, if people are coming to me with flat Earth stuff, I will give them what they come for. Because I will talk about how fascinating I find those people all day. But I also know. I also know when uh, when in mixed company, maybe maybe only give them like the 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 the, the best of, and then right. kind of you know. Yeah. change the subject to something else no. <laughs> anyway okay that's gonna do it for us i think um yeah if you uh if you enjoyed the show please give us a rating or review on itunes much appreciated if you're on any batman specific uh reddit boards or anything and they're like hey what's a good batman podcast because i'm sure there aren't any which parentheses i know there's a ton of them uh <laughs> if you mention this show that'd be awesome uh if you get any questions hit us up on twitter at Batass Podcast, B A T T A S S Podcast, or shoot us an email, uh, batasspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, next time we will be back with I Am the Night and Off Balance. So uh, thanks, guys. See you then.